Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you that uh, you have ordained this setup to where your people gather and they uh, come to fellowship with each other and with you and they pray and seek your face and they uh, seek a word from you and that you allow, for some reason, you have made it to where you use the folly of preaching and uh, a person to declare your word. And so we thank you for that. Uh, We do pray that you would be our teacher. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would guide us into all truth and that you would lead us this morning. We pray that, uh, that you would supply the words that you want each of us to receive. Lord, it always amazes me that uh, 30 or 40 people can gather in a room and they can all hear the same message and yet you will personalize it for each person and make it applicable to their life or convicting to their life or encouraging for where they are. And so we thank you for the way in which you personalize one message to every person who has ears to hear. I pray, God, that you would grant us ears to hear, that we may hear from you today. I pray that everything that is uh, spoken, that the hearers would test it by your word, to test it and see if your word is true, that it is being spoken and heard. Would you grant us a spirit of discernment and a willing heart to hear? Use your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've decided that this summer uh, we would walk through various psalms and proverbs. And so there will be a few guest speakers and some of them will speak on different proverbs. Ryan is going to speak next week uh, on Proverbs chapter 3. A few weeks ago, I started with another message in Proverbs. And then last week, Jeff spoke to us from Psalm 78. Uh, And so throughout the summer, um, I've encouraged you that if you would like to share a testimony or if you would like to share um, with me one of your favorite psalms or proverbs that you would like to hear a message on, uh, I would love for you just to communicate with me in that way. I've had a couple of people suggest psalms and and others uh, who would like to give a testimony this summer. And so I just would like to extend that invitation to you again, that if you would like to speak, if you want God now, if you have a story, a testimony of what God is doing in your life or something He has done, you just never know how that will encourage someone else as they hear, but a different voice from time to time is extremely helpful. Well, this morning our proverb is Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 30. And it's really a topical survey in the Bible dealing with the issue of envy. We're talking about envy or jealousy. Uh, And so the main point that I want you to hear this morning is that your faith in Jesus will help you overcome the destructive, damaging heart condition of envy or jealousy. Your faith in Jesus will rescue you from that heart issue of envy or jealousy. Does anybody struggle with envy or jealousy? Is it just me? Uh, every once in a while, I will go to a conference, and maybe this happened um, seven or eight years ago. I went to a conference, and while I was in the crowd of seven or eight thousand uh, other pastors and ministers, um, I was listening to this guy in the middle of the stage, and he was chosen as the keynote speaker because of all the incredible things that God had done through his life and ministry. And as I'm sitting there listening to him, you would think that a person who knows the Lord Jesus and who loves God and who reads the Bible and who is just a general 
kingdom-minded person who's been adopted into the family of God, that as this person spoke, that my heart would be saying, what an incredible God you are. How amazing is it that you are able to do all this activity and all this work through this person? But you know the wickedness of my heart? You know what it was saying? Must be nice to be that guy. Must be nice to be that guy, to have so many people in his church. Must be nice to be that guy, to have uh, such an amazing ability to communicate. Man, how great would it be if, if our church was exploding into 12 services expanding over a weekend where it was standing room only and people showed up early just to wait in line to hear the Word of God preached. How cool would that be? And as he's describing the favor and blessing of God on his life, I'm sort of spiraling downward in jealousy and envy. I'm comparing my situation with his situation. And it was at that moment that I said, maybe conferences aren't for me. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe where I need to go to a conference where everybody's a screw-up and everything's bad and their lives are just a wreck. And you know, maybe that's where I would fit in, in in a different sort of conference where it's not just everybody who's doing everything incredible and amazing is, is trying to speak to everybody who isn't. You ever feel that way? You ever scroll through uh, maybe your news feed and you see somebody who's doing something else and, and just a little bit of envy perks up in your life and you think, that'd eh, be nice if I could have this. And it sure would be nice if I could be with that person. Sure would be nice if I had the money to do this or that. Do you ever struggle with envy or jealousy? Is it just me? Anybody else? Well, our scripture this morning, Proverbs 14.30 says, a tranquil heart, that's, just keep in mind, that's peace. A tranquil heart means peace and contentment and joy and satisfaction. A tranquil, peaceful, contented, satisfied heart gives life. It gives life. But envy or jealousy makes the bones rot. Uh, I've, I've experienced the ugliness of envy you know, the nastiness of, of what takes place in your own heart, in your own mind, as you are consumed with what other people have and what other people get and what other people get to do and get to be with and all these other things. And it, it is, a, is it a consuming wickedness that can lead your heart into dark paths and can cause you to struggle. And it can be incredibly destructive. I've sort of compiled a bit of a top ten list of how damaging jealousy and envy can be. Uh, It starts with a quote from a guy named Jonathan Aiken, and he wrote a commentary on the book of Proverbs that has been extremely helpful for me as I've been preparing for the series. But in describing envy, he says, In our own lives, our jealousy of others can lead to one, depression, two, a low self-esteem, Three, anger. Four, bitterness. And as I read that, he said, and other issues, I thought, I can think of other issues right off the top of my head. And so I I listed numbers five through ten there. Adding to his list, I said that jealousy steals all of your joy and peace. 
Once you allow jealousy and envy to creep into your mind, once you begin to compare yourself or to look at other people and what they have or what they're experiencing or all the good things that might be taking place in someone else's life, you can, as though the gas were being drained from your engine, you can see the peace and the joy and the tranquility decreasing in your own life. You can almost feel that. Number six, jealousy keeps you from obeying the command to rejoice with others. See, oftentimes a person will stand up and something good will have happened in their life. Maybe God has blessed them with something. And if you don't have that and you are struck with envy or jealousy, you will hear a good report. And even though the Scripture is very clear that it is your responsibility and it is your role as a fellow believer in Christ to rejoice with those who rejoice, once envy has crept up in your heart, you will fail to obey that command. You will not feel joyful when someone else is sharing a good report. But like me, at a conference, you will immediately feel a tinge of jealousy or anger or depression or a lack of self-esteem. But in some way, if the root of envy and jealousy is growing like a weed in the garden of your heart, it will cause all of these destructive, damaging behaviors and attitudes. Number seven, jealousy fosters an environment of resentment. Once that weed has stayed in your life too long, you become resentful. You know what it is to be resentful, kids? To be resentful means that you look at somebody else and not only do you wish you had them, but you begin to despise that other person. Hate grows in your heart. And it's tied to the fact, your hatred is tied to the fact that you're envious of what someone else has. Fosters in a a fertile environment for resentment. And you may resent God for the lack of things that He has done in your life. Number eight, jealousy breeds discontentment and prevents you from being thankful for what God has given you. Jealousy breeds discontentment. All of a sudden, it's no longer any good what you have. All that matters is what you don't have. Have you ever seen cows grazing in a big green field? And they'll all huddle up to the fence and they'll strain their neck over the fence to eat the grass on the other side of the fence. Despite the fact that they may have everything they need behind them, they're not content with what they have. They yearn for something that's forbidden, that's over there. In the same way, envy, jealousy, makes it possible for you to be completely discontent, dissatisfied, and ungrateful with all the good things that God has already provided you with. Number nine, jealousy causes a negative spirit by devouring positive, pure, holy thinking. Have you ever been around somebody negative? Have you ever been around uh, someone who is pessimistic? That anytime you uh, say something, you know, a common pop culture person character is Debbie Downer, who anytime you say something good, there's something extremely negative, there's something damaging, there's something wrong. The glass is always half empty. Everything is bad. It's just kind of an Eeyore depressing personality. I don't mean to pick on you if that's you, but it's difficult for most people to be around negative people. It's called contentious 
or strife, someone who's full of strife, that they're always looking to pick a fight or to argue or to point out the wrong or to point out the negative. Yeah, it's, it's a bad character quality. Jealousy causes a negative spirit by devouring positive, pure thinking. Philippians tells us that we're to think on things that are holy, think on things that are pure, think on things that are true. But when you're envious, when you're jealous, it causes the negative effect. Number 10, jealousy robs you of productivity. With every moment, you're mentally tied up dwelling on what you don't have or what you wish you had or what somebody else has. It devours your productivity. And I'm sure that there are a dozen other damaging, destructive things that envy and jealousy can do to a person. But those are the top ten things. I would love for you, after the message, to share with me how you've seen envy or jealousy eat away at your heart. Maybe you have a testimony of how God has delivered you from envy or jealousy. Or maybe you have a prayer request that God would deliver you from envy or jealousy. But I would love to hear how this has been personally uh, affecting to you. But I would also like to hear about what steps you have taken. What has counterbalanced the tendency toward envy and jealousy? What things have given you victory? Let me outline four different things about envy and about why it's so damaging and about why it's so deadly and destructive from Scripture. Uh, this is taken from an incredible commentary that I picked up on Proverbs. So this outline is not mine. These main bullet points are not necessarily mine, but everything in between the bullet points I've written myself. But just so that you don't read the same book and say, hey, Gib lifted this whole sermon from this commentary. I just want you to know that I did lift the outline. It's a great outline, and, uh, and yet I've, all the material in between is mine, or Scripture. <laughs> all right. Just in parentheses there. Number one, envy is deadly because it hurts you. Yeah, two weeks ago, I preached from Proverbs chapter 3, and I described this whole situation about how my family um, lost our, or kicked out of our apartment, we were evicted, and uh, I described the fact that uh, it was because of my dad's inability to, or unwillingness to play child support, and because of that, we were evicted, and, and I described how a root of bitterness grew in my heart, and how, happy Father's Day, right? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Good memory there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I brought that up and I preached about it two weeks ago, but the point was not to rag on somebody, but the point was to demonstrate how God delivered me from being bitter and unforgiving and angry. You should check that sermon out online if you struggle with bitterness and anger towards someone else. But in that message, I described how discontent, uh, dis, how um, being unforgiving and bitter towards someone else is basically like drinking poison and expecting them to die, right? When you're, when you're bitter towards someone else, you are destroying yourself while the other person is free. Maybe they don't even know that they've hurt you. And so you're holding on to anger and resentment and bitterness toward another person. All the while, it is eating you up while they're, for, they're not losing an ounce of sleep over what you are experiencing anxiety or frustration or anger or bitterness toward them about. I bring that up because envy is the same thing. Is the other person who has, are they damaged by your envy at all? It's an extremely self-destructive behavior and attitude. 
envy. Jealousy will, will consume you and it will ruin you. It will tear you apart. You know, our scripture today says that it rots the bones. That it rots the bones. A few years ago when we moved into our house, uh, it, it was a foreclosure and we got a great deal on it. But as we were moving into it, before we could even get into the driveway, we had to cut down a dozen trees on the property. And I remember one tree in the back, uh, maybe three or four feet off the back porch, uh, was just maybe 40 feet tall. It had no limbs on it. Uh, Everything was dead and falling off. And I was overwhelmingly worried that this tree was going to fall into our house. It It was a big tree wide. Uh, I remember being able to reach and, and grab onto chunks of it and just pull it apart. It had rotted six inches into the middle. And I was terrified. I couldn't get uh, a company out fast enough to come and take down this tree because my daughter's bedroom was right where that tree would have fallen into. And I just knew that with any gust of wind or anything, that it would completely fall apart. It was rotted to the core. As a matter of fact, when the company came out a couple of months later, when they chopped it down, it had a ring of life at the very center that was only about this wide, maybe three to four inches in diameter. But the tree itself was about two feet in diameter. It was a wide tree that had rotted almost to the middle. There was no life in it whatsoever. That tree, once sturdy and full of life, rotted from the outside all the way in. The only difference with envy is it will rot you from the inside out. You will rot away and all the life, all the joy, all the peace, all the tranquility in your life will rot away like that tree. Envy is deadly because it hurts you. Number two, envy is deadly because it hurts the people around you. You know, if you could look back up at that top ten list that I provided at the top, You can touch on five or six of those ways and think to yourself, would I like to live with a person who is this or that? Would I like to live with a person who's been robbed of all productivity because of their jealousy? Would I like to be with someone who is completely discontented and ungrateful? Would I like to live with someone who fosters an environment of resentment and anger? Would I like to be with someone who is jealous, who can never rejoice with me? When I'm rejoicing, would I like to be with someone who is always without peace and without joy in their life? You see, if you're with someone, or if you know someone who is with envy, or if you're struggling with envy or jealousy, it makes other people around you, it damages them, it hurts them. They are wounded because of the jealousy and envy that has taken root in your life. Think about Genesis chapter 30. You probably remember the story. Jacob is gone to Laban and uh, he's asked to be married to his daughter. And I don't understand how this works, but Laban pulls the old switcheroo on him and gives him the uglier, younger other daughter and keeps the, the other daughter for himself, the one that Jacob thought he was working for. And in some way that I don't understand, and I'm not going to get into, Jacob marries two different ladies, sisters. And, uh, and in this time, uh, one of them is blessed with a womb that's fruitful, right? And she's just having babies left and right. And the other one is distraught with jealousy and envy. 
So much so that she begins to introduce her female slave to her husband. And then the other one, Leah, is consumed with jealousy and she introduces her female servant to the husband. I mean, this is one of these mind-blowing pictures in Scripture that you start to see the sinfulness of man. Hard enough to be married to one person, right? Imagine four, right? Imagine this place filled with envy and jealousy and all these negative, terrible things. This is destructive, Genesis 30. You read Genesis 30, 31, 32, and these three chapters demonstrate just extreme destruction. Number one, not only is envy deadly because it hurts you, not only, number two, is it deadly because it hurts the people around you. Number three, envy is deadly because it causes other sins, leads to other sins. Just think about uh, probably two really famous examples that come to mind really quickly are Cain and Abel, right? Adam and Eve have children, their first children, Cain and Abel, and, uh, and Abel presents an offering that the Lord accepts. And Cain presents an offering that the Lord rejects. And so Cain says, uh, you know, the Lord says to Cain, why is your face downcast? If you, don't, if you do right, won't you be accepted? But now sin is crouching at your doorstep, and its desire is to master you, but you must master it. Rather than taking God's advice, driven by jealousy and envy, what does Cain do? Hey, Abel, let's go out to the field for a couple minutes. Right? Takes his brother out to the field, and he strikes him and kills him. That's what his envy and jealousy led him to. It is deadly because it led him to the sin of murder and hatred. Think about Joseph and his 11 brothers. The father loves Joseph, right? Genesis 37. He loves Joseph. He gets him this awesome rainbow jacket thing. And he just showers him with like love and affection. And the other 11 brothers are just jealous and filled with rage and envy. So much so that after a few years, here comes Joseph, dad's favorite, with this rainbow-colored coat. And they strip him of it. They throw him in a pit. And they're, um, they're willing to just destroy him. In the end, they sell him. They sell him to a caravan that's going to Egypt, and Joseph becomes a slave. Can you see the damage and the destruction that takes place when you allow a little bit of jealousy into your heart? Once it's fully grown, it leads to hatred, and it spreads into a variety of other sins. You know, the final thing that envy is so deadly is that it is a sin that will be judged by God. It's a sin that will be judged by God. You think about uh, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. God gave ten really clear commandments. And in those commandments, uh, you know, just ten, one of them is you shall not what? Shall not covet. Specifically, it says you shall not want your neighbor's manservant or woman servant or wife or you shall not covet something that's not yours. And if this is one of the top ten sins that God describes that will lead to judgment and condemnation. Listen, the point of the Ten Commandments is to demonstrate that we're all sinners. This is God's standard and we have fallen way short of His standard. Think if you kept the first nine commandments perfectly all your life. That you honored God, that you never served an idol, that is you never made up a different kind of God in your mind. 
that if you never dishonored your mother and father by being disobedient to them, uh, that if you always kept the Sabbath, that every Saturday you set apart the day that you wouldn't work and rest in the same way that God rested. That if you kept those four, what an awesome person you would be, right? But what if you add to that, I've never murdered anybody. That's not probably too much of a stretch for anybody in the room or listening to me. But Jesus sort of cuts under that and says, well, hatred is actually murder. So, so five, you've never hated anybody. Uh, six, you've never um, had a, an adulterous relationship. But actually, Jesus undercut that one too and said, if you've ever lusted for someone else, then you're an adulterer. So you've kept all six of those commandments. What a phenomenal person you would be. But what if you kept the next one, that you shall not steal something that that doesn't belong to you, irrespective of its value, that you've never taken something that didn't belong to you, whether it was something from a brother or sister, mother, father, uh, anything, that you've never stolen anything in your life. What a great person we would be, right? Murder, adultery, steal, lying. What if you never told a lie, right? If you were able to keep all nine of those first Ten Commandments, and your only sin was that if you saw a nice car drive by and said, man, I want that. One time, that would be sufficient for the wrath of God to send you to an eternity in hell apart from His presence for one sin of covetousness. And we like to think that I'm not a bad person. I'm a good guy. I've never stolen anything or killed anybody. We sort of rank these sins, but God adds covetousness to demonstrate our need for a Savior. We don't always think about wanting something that's not ours as a sin that leads to judgment. Just think about what led Jesus to be crucified. Matthew 27, 18 says that Jesus knew it was out of envy that they delivered Him to be crucified. Mark 15.10 says, He perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered Him up. You think envy's not a big deal? You think jealousy isn't a big issue? It is a sin that will lead you to damnation. It is a sin to be confessed, a sin to be repented of. But the good news is, is that faith in Jesus will save you from jealousy and envy. Faith in Jesus will save you from jealousy and envy. See, the point of the Ten Commandments is that you need to recognize that you need a Savior. That you can't be good enough on your own. That if you're saying to God, hey, I'm a good person, I deserve heaven, you deserve to have somebody like me on your team because I'm a good person, the Ten Commandments is there to undercut that entire way of thinking. And to point out, not just that you're a sinner, that would be terrible, that would be a a horrible God if all His goal was to show you how terrible you are. Thank you. Appreciate that, Lord. It's good to know what I am, right? That's, That's terrible. If that was all the Ten Commandments were for, to make you feel horrible. But it's not. The Ten Commandments point to you that Jesus Christ, that you're valuable enough, you're loved enough, that Jesus would come and take the punishment you deserve for breaking the Ten Commandments, for breaking God's standard of holiness. Jesus is the remedy that saves you from the destructive habit of envy. And not just in a general, all your sins are forgiven way, but in a specific way. So that today, if you're struggling with jealousy, if you're scrolling through a feed and you're instantly resentful of somebody else's relationship, 
someone else's marriage, someone else's kids, someone else's house, someone else's car. If you're at all jealous of anything at all, it is a sin to be repented of and confessed, but it is also a sin that Jesus wants to give you deliverance over. In the same way that you don't have to let bitterness and envy and rage swell up and become a root of bitterness in your life, you don't have to let envy consume you or jealousy consume you. And in closing, let me just give you a couple of practical ways that you can handle this. Number one, you need to understand that the battle begins in your heart. It begins with desire, right? James says that you sin because you first desire. And once desire is given full birth, it becomes an action. So this begins in your heart. This begins in your mind with desiring something you don't have and seeing somebody who does have it. And once you can recognize where that begins, you can follow the command of Paul, right? To take every thought, what? Captive. You take every thought captive and you say, I see it. That's an envious, jealous thought. And I I take that thought and I present it to God. God, this is a sinful, covetous, evil behavior and attitude that is in my heart. Think about all those terrible sin lists in the New Testament. All those lists of sin. They're all bad, right? Romans 1, they were filled with unrighteousness, evil, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips. It lists all these terrible things. And right in the middle of it is envy. Alongside with murder and hatred and all these terrible sins. To be jealous is serious to God. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy or boast. Galatians 5.21 lists all the fruits of your flesh and they are envy, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's terrible things that envy is included right in the mix of. Galatians 5, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. 1 Timothy 1, uh, 6, 4 says he is puffed up with conceit, understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and more. The list goes on and on. All the lists of sin, damning sin in the New Testament include envy, jealousy. And so it's crucial that as this battle begins in your mind that you recognize it. So that's envy. That's jealousy. That's desire. That's covetousness. And you take that immediately and you confess it to God and say, deliver me from this. Help me not to want. Help me to be content with what I have. Help me to be grateful for what you've already provided me. Number two in application, limit your interaction with people or things that you know trigger you. Right? Trigger is kind of a buzzword these days. There's a lot of things that trigger you. People can be triggered by a number of things that I won't get into. But what's your trigger? What's the thing that produces envy and jealousy in you? Maybe you just need a break from that for a while. Maybe you need to put down an app or put down uh, a TV show or maybe a, a, something, uh, a relationship in your life that it's, you can't really put it away, but you need to deal with it. Maybe in some way, if you're feeling envy or jealous in some way, you need to cut off the thing that's provoking that in you. Number three, uh, this doesn't apply to everybody, but parents, you need to help your children 
identify the sin of covetousness and envy. It's your role to shepherd them and to do uh, something gospel-focused in their life. That when a kid says, I know your kids never say this, but every once in a while I hear things like, I wish we had. Why do they get to? It's not fair. They always get fill in the blank, right? Parents, it's your role to say, listen, I care about your soul. I care about your future. And envy rots the bones. And if you want to experience death, you can continually foster an attitude of jealousy and envy. Or you can help your child identify envy and jealousy and say, let's take that and let's give this over to God because this is an attitude of destruction. You say, I don't have kids, so I'm kind of off the hook. Well, maybe for you, maybe you know a friend or you know a a relative or you know someone else that you care about that is consumed with jealousy. Assuming it's not you, you can help people identify something that will destroy them, right? Wouldn't that be good that if the bridge was out and you saw someone driving toward a dark road or bridges out, wouldn't it be nice of you to wave your hand and say, hey, don't go that way. Don't go. Don't keep driving. In the same way, if you know someone who is consumed with envy and jealousy, it would be the most loving thing in the world for you to demonstrate how envy rots the bones. I'm not sure uh, what it is that God might be speaking to you personally about or if there's any prayer requests or anything that, uh, that God is leading you to do as a result of this message. My hope is that you'll turn to Christ, that you'll take every thought captive, that you'll identify, not minimize the sin of jealousy or envy or covetousness, but elevate it to its proper place as a damning, destructive attitude and behavior. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Uh, I can't remember ever preaching a sermon dedicated to one destructive behavior like envy or jealousy. So I thank you that your word gives it so much attention. So first, I just ask that you would forgive me uh, that I have not preached a message focusing on it before. I also pray in Jesus' name that you would give us the discernment to recognize when we struggle with envy or jealousy or covetousness. I pray that not only would we recognize it, but that we would confess it and repent of it. I hope that as a result of this message, that many people are delivered from this wicked thought and behavior that it would not rot their bones any longer, that they would be full of life and peace and tranquility as a result of walking in your spirit and allowing you to remove the root of jealousy from their hearts. Would you do that for us, Lord? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.